This is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? I'm your host, Bob Sewell. With me today is John Scabland. John Scabland is a gifted attorney. He works at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. He's also a former business owner and he's an MBA and he has a law degree from ASU, Arizona State University. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Well, thanks, Bob. Pleasure being here. You know, you are considered an expert in estate planning, you're a, a trust and estate litigator, you also do asset protection, you're considered an expert in all those areas. Um, I wanna talk about one area today, and that area is asset protection. You welcome to do that? Yeah, love to, thank you. So, one of the things that's really curious to me about asset protection is the asset protection myths that are out there. I hear all sorts of crazy stuff and I, I can't believe them, but people swear by them. They swear that they're absolutely true. So hopefully we can talk a little bit about some of those. Sounds great. You know, one of the things I hear frequently is is that they... Um, well, let me just give you the hypothetical. How about that? So let's say I'm a businessman, okay? And let's say that my business partner, and we've been doing business together a long time, and let's say I allegedly have taken money from the business that I shouldn't have taken. Now my business partner is mad, and he sues me for a million dollars, okay? And I have reason to believe he's going to win, okay? So... If that happens, I got a great idea in my hypothetical. I got a great idea. I'm gonna come okay. to you. You're going to create a trust for me. I'm gonna put all my assets in the trust, and when my business par partner comes to collect, bye-bye, he's not getting <laughs> a dime. Is that even legal? Bob, no, that's not legal. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that, that's asset protection, right? A trust well, is asset protection. Yes, we use trust as one of the tools in our tool belt, so to speak. But asset protection or protecting your wealth that you work hard to achieve is about doing the right thing, Bob. And if you're stealing from the company and embezzling and then you think you're going to get caught and now it's time to squirrel it all away, well, first of all, a few things. First, what protecting assets is against your accidents, against the unfortunate car accidents and someone getting hurt on your home? Those are the kind of things that we envision when we talk about protecting your assets. We aren't protecting bad people out there. But second of all, protecting it's about doing the right thing, not just for your family by protecting what you work so hard to preserve, but it's also about taking care of the other person. So in that car accident uh, example that I just gave you, it's about making sure you have adequate insurance to be able to cover things as well. And so you're not stiffing anyone saying, too bad, so sad, I got everything protected. It's about uh, really settling <clears throat> the big lawsuit coming your way for pennies on the dollar. Okay, so I want to talk about some things here that you just mentioned. It, one thing I heard you say is it's, a, it's not about protecting bad people. So what if I create my asset protection plan and I commit fraud? Mm -hmm. 
and you I'm know, sued for fraud. I have, I've never had a client that has done a criminal action. We have criminal defense attorneys. I recommend Russell uh, Richelsoff for you, uh, a great person to talk to. But in regards to the asset protection plan, I worry that if you've done something criminal, that on principles of equity, they might be able to pierce what we call the corporate veil on a lot of things that we're doing. Okay. And so it's not designed to protect bad people. So. It's designed for those things you just couldn't see common. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. It's about accidents. We don't call them on purposes. We call them accidents. You get into a car accident. Someone gets hurt at your home. Your kid punches someone accidentally at school. Those kind of things. My teenage driver is the greatest liability that I have. That's what asset how, how, Why is he your greatest liability? Because what if he gets into a car accident? What if he kills someone? What if he kills that young doctor with a family that's depending upon him? So again, it's not about stiffing the young doctor's family. They just lost their father and the breadwinner of their home. So it's about providing adequate compensation for that while also protecting what you worked your entire life to build. Okay. You know, you're telling a different story than when I go out onto the interweb and I try to find information about asset protection. One of the things that I hear on the on the on the interweb is is about taxes. I don't like to pay taxes, okay? No one likes to pay taxes. I think you'd agree with that, right? Absolutely. But I heard I could take all my assets, put them in your one of your fancy trusts and I'm never paying a dime of taxes again. Not true. Not true at all. Again, what protecting your assets is all about is protecting them against creditors that are coming to sue you. Okay. But the IRS, they are the most powerful, and nothing that we do is going to reduce your taxes. Okay. If anything, it may make them more complicated, but that is the cost of protecting your assets. All right, so I want to talk about some different things, how you'd use these different little items in asset protection and you tell me what it is that you're looking at with this so is a trust part of my asset protection plan great question bob and first in order to even answer that question i got to be able to tell you that just like there's more than one screwdriver there's flathead and phillips and different sizes and what have you there's a lot of different trusts so most people, I don't, I don't say everyone, but most people need to start with the foundation, the building block of a asset protection. Again, asset protection is just protecting your wealth. Okay. Starts with a living revocable trust. Okay. And, and all that means is that it's a trust that benefits you, that you are in control of, and you can change your mind up until the moment you're incapacitated or die. Now, clearly what Everyone needs to know one of the biggest myths out there is that my living trust, I put it all in there and I'm protected. Not true. I thought that was true prior to becoming an attorney. I went to a family friend. I said, I have two goals, Bob. I want to make sure that if I die, I was a business owner. I worked hard to build my business. And I said, if I die, I want to make sure that my family is taken care of. And second, if I'm sued, I want to make sure that I'm protected. And he said, sounds good, got you covered. Later, when I became an attorney, Bob, did I find out, oh, he never did the second half. 
Okay. And the reason is that most estate planning attorneys are not asset protection attorneys. They pretend to be. So let's just start out that there's that common kind of trust, but then there's another kind. It's called an irrevocable trust. That is one tool, and I want to make that very clear. It's just one tool of many that we use that we can create to make asset protection features, but there's so many limitations that most people don't even know about. Okay. Let me get even more basic with you. Sounds good. When you say trust, Mm-hmm. that you create a trust for one of your clients. Right. What are you actually doing? Yeah. Uh, if you were a client of mine in my office, what I like to pull out as a visual aid, because I, I learned visually, is pull out a cup. Okay. And in that cup, I say, this is a trust. A trust holds property. Okay. That's all it does. And so I'll put pencils and markers in it. I'll say your house and things. And what a trust in essence does, Bob, is it holds your property with the rules that you create and it manages it by someone called a trustee. They're the person managing the trust. Okay. So you take your house, for example, and Mm -hmm. you put it in, say, the Bob Sewell Revocable Trust. You retitle it Bob Sewell Revocable Trust. Right. Okay. So... Do I register that trust with the government, or what do you do? Yeah, that's another myth. Um, Back in the old days, apparently, they recorded trust, which is crazy now. It doesn't happen anymore. One of the big benefits of a trust, unlike a will, is that they're private. Okay. So a will requires a court case that's going to make a public record. A trust is not recorded, and it's completely private from the outside world. Okay. What if I... If I want to have some asset protection, why don't I just create a corporation and put my stuff in a corporation? Great question, Bob. And I have a lot of business owners that come into my office saying, well, I have a corporation I'm already covered, right? Well, I point out two things. First, corporations are only for businesses. There has to be a business purpose to it, right? Okay. So putting your residence in a corporation, bad idea because there's no business purpose for that corporation to own your house, right? So they're going to pierce the corporate veil there. But second, most people don't recognize is, oh, I get into that lawsuit. I'm sued for $5 million. They get that judgment. Guess what? One of the easiest things to take away from someone, your stock. So your stock in your private corporation is just like your stock in Apple okay. or Microsoft. I get to garnish it, and now I own your corporation, which owns everything you have. But if my home was in that trust, I, that, is that not the case? Well, again, in regards to the trust, remember, a revocable living trust offers you no asset protection. Why? Because it's for your benefit, you're in control, and it's your property. Those are the three rules we're looking at. So if you're trying to protect your house, that's not the place you want to necessarily put it. Having said that, it's a very common place. Why? In the state of Arizona, we have what's called a homestead protection. What that simply means, Bob, is in the event that you're sued and someone wants to foreclose on your house, they got to take care of any mortgage against the property first. Second, they got to write you a $150,000 check. 
third they keep any difference. So that's a real disincentive for trying to take your house. Exactly. So what we like to do is try to keep the equity below 150000 because if the creditor's not going to get anything from your house, they're not going to foreclose on you. Okay, but there's a place for corporations in asset protection, right? Uh, well, I don't like corporations, candidly, Bob, because they're so easy to take away from you because we can garnish your stock. Okay. What we like to use, my main tools, we have LLCs, limited liability companies. We love those. Unlike corporations where they can sue you and take away the stock, which okay. is your ownership interest, LLCs have something called a membership interest. In the state of Arizona, so long as you have more than one partner that's separate from you. By the way, your wife doesn't count. We're in a community property state. Okay. So often I have couples come in and they think they're protected because wife owns 50%, husband owns 50%. Uh, in Arizona, they're one person. But assuming you have a bona fide second partner, and if you don't, Bob, don't worry, because that's where we do use an irrevocable trust. We'll create an irrevocable oh, okay. trust to own 10% of that LLC, and then they can't take away your ownership of the LLC. So we like LLCs, corporations bad, okay? What about, okay, here's another thing they talk about. They talk about family limited partnerships. We're gonna create a family limited partnership and no one's ever gonna be able to touch our stuff again. Everything goes into my family limited partnership. Yeah, that's a great myth. I love family limited partnerships. I use them all the time. Again, one of my favorite tools to go to. But here's the problem with them. First, they're often structured faulty. Uh, A family limited partnership has different kind of nuances that most estate planning attorneys don't understand. And if they're not structured properly, they're easy to blow through. Second, they're not designed to hold everything, Bob. What they're designed to do is actually be a layer. A limited partnership is to be a passive investment vehicle. And so what I like to do, for example, is to have the LLCs that own the cash, that own the cabin, that own uh, perhaps the toys or the equipment that the business owner has. That is all owned by the family limited partnership, giving us an extra layer. But that is what owns those interests, giving us protection. So a family limited partnership would not specifically own stuff. What they they should own are interests in other entities, subsidiaries. One of the things that's bothering me about what you're saying Mm -hmm. is is if I'm coming to you and doing this, it sounds really complicated. Does my life get incredibly complicated by doing asset protection? The answer to that is, is, of course, it depends. Will it be more complicated than doing nothing? Yeah, it is. But the fact is, Bob, you've worked your entire life to build this wealth. To protect it properly does require some due diligence. And what I mean by that, Bob, is now when you're done, when you leave my office and we got it in place, one of the things I'm going to emphasize to you is, Bob, make sure you're not taking the family vacation on the corporate dime. Make sure that you're not buying groceries out of the LLC. Make sure that you take that money, put it in your own personal checking and savings, and then you go ahead and spend it on the family incidentals. And that's one of the number one ways to blow up your otherwise great asset protection plan is by not following the rules. And I'm going to teach you those rules. So is it more complicated? Yeah, you're going to have some tax returns. 
again, you're not reducing taxes, but there's also some rules. And if you don't follow those rules, it's really easy to trip it up. But why not just simply give it all to my kid? I take everything I put in the name of my kid, and I'm running my business, right. I'm, or just put in the name of my, my sister or my wife. I mean, why not just take it out of my name? And if I don't have anything in my name, they can't take anything from me. Great myth, great myth. Uh, and I've actually seen that situation. Here's the problems with it. First, you give that to your kid, to your spouse, to your sister. It's a gift. There's no obligation for them to return it oh, to that's you. ruthless. It is. And I've seen it where the kid says, thanks, mom and dad. Nice to see you. <laughs> and they don't have to return it at all. So realize once it's a gift, it's one and done. I've seen where the, the couple... They get divorced, and guess what? The, the spouse who just got everything, they file a divorce, and lo and behold, there's not this community property to separate because in order to do it, that spousal gift created separate property. So number one problem with it is you may not get it back. Second, the issue is you lack control. So unlike some of the things that I can do for you where you may not legally own it, you get to use it, but you also get to control it. So own nothing, control everything. That doesn't apply in this type of situation. And third, you're missing a big point. You give it to your, your child, right? Yeah. What happens when they get into a lawsuit? Oh, crap. Now all of your assets are exposed to that child's reckless behavior. So those are the problems with what we call the poor man's estate plan. Yeah, that is sound. So what about insurance? Isn't if I if I just insure, if I buy enough insurance, I fix my problem, right? Great myth. Um, there's no crystal ball, unfortunately, in asset protection or estate planning. We have no idea whether you're ever going to need any of this. The hope is that you won't. But in the event that you do, we want to be able to have an ironproof bank, if you will, where you can squirrel everything away up to a point, and then we have insurance. So first of all, do you know how much insurance to buy? And I have this conversation with clients all the time. They'll say, I have a $3 million insurance policy. I'll say, that sounds great. I encourage it. And to be clear, we use insurance. We use primary liability insurance and umbrella coverage. We love it. It's part of the plan. Okay. Those are the first steps. However, then I point out the average judgment rule of thumb. It's, of course, dependent on the person who died what their income potential was, their dependents, a lot of various factors a personal injury lawyer could tell you about. But a young doctor with eight kids, it's gonna be more than $3 million. Okay. And then what are you gonna do? So insurance, you could get $50 million in insurance. A, that's expensive. You're gonna pay that every year. Okay. Asset protection is gonna be cheaper than that, Bob. But second of all, you don't know if that's gonna be enough. But is is asset protection this sounds like this sounds like you the not the average person needs asset protection am i right well i find that there are three categories of people that need asset protection okay uh, first they have a real estate uh, investment property okay maybe it's a residence or a commercial building if you own something besides your house you need protection and a lot of people will say, oh, I'll just slap it into an LLC. But I can't tell you, Bob, how many times I've seen the LLC not structured properly or lack one of the most important documents, and it's called an operating agreement. So 
If you have a, a rental property of any kind, you need asset protection. Second are business owners. Business owners, again, often have corporations. Second of all, they often have some valuable equipment or know-how or technology or patent. Yeah. And so what I like to do, let me give you a very common example, is um, let's say electrician. Okay. So electrician obviously has tools, has trucks, has different things that his business needs, right? Well, unfortunately, we just get into the habit of working in the business and we put that all into the business. Well, when that business gets sued, then what? So I like to have a separate LLC that's going to own all that equipment and lease it to the operating business. And that way, should something hit the fan, we can go ahead and start up business. Weeks later, enter into a new lease using the exact same equipment. Wow. Yeah. So what are some – give me a pro tip. To conclude, I want a pro tip. I want a freebie. Sure. Okay. I, I did forget to tell you about that third uh, category of people. Oh, so totally. besides uh, real estate investors, besides business owners, Bob, if you have assets, when I say uh, assets, I'm referring to liquid assets, stocks, bonds, cash, something like that, not retirement accounts. So no IRAs, 401ks, annuities, those kind of things. But other than that, if you're over $100,000, it's probably time for you to get some asset protection. Why? Because you're sitting duck. You got a big target on your back when you have those kind of liquid securities. So those are the three types of people that I find that need asset protection the most. I would just, as a freebie, throw out there one other group. That is uh, famous people, attorneys, doctors, anyone that, uh, whether true or not, have the perception of being wealthy you have a greater target. No one sues attorneys. No one. Uh, I wish that was true, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you're, to, to conclude, I want my pro tip. I want my freebie. Sure. Okay. So and here's, here's one, my question. Uh-huh. I want to make certain that when I go see my attorney and I'm talking about asset protection, I'm not being sold a bill of goods. I want to make certain that I'm not paying for a load of crap. I want what I need. Right. And how do I, how do I ferret that out? That's a great question, Bob. Um, never hurts to get a second opinion. But just realize you need to ask hard questions such as, how many estate plans have you done? What are your typical clients? Uh, I often have a lot of clients who have uh, read the internet myths. They've met with their local estate planning attorney and they think that they can get it for cheaper. Always remember that you get what you pay for, ultimately. But how can you tell whether you're getting what you need? There's no way to know. It's much like going to doctor and saying, Bob, you need brain surgery. How do you know if that's true? You go see another doctor. Hmm. So I encourage your listeners, reach out to a professional that does this for a living. Um, I'm happy to meet with any of them. But here's your pro tip. What I would encourage all of your listeners to do today is make sure that they have adequate auto and homeowners insurance. What do I mean by that? For most people, that's about two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 worth of coverage on their auto insurance. And make sure you have underinsured and uninsured coverage. And then on your home, typically I advise my clients to have $500,000 of personal liability. That's not the replacement cost. If the house burns down, Mm -hmm. that big number you see, that isn't it, Bob. This personal liability is if someone drowns in the swimming pool, someone trips on the stair. So get that today. Then when you're talking to that insurance agent, 
I love, love, love umbrella insurance. Why? Because I call it lawyer insurance. Unlike your auto and home who can say, you know, Bob, it's too bad what you've done. You got into a car accident. No, it wasn't your fault, but someone died. It's clearly going to exceed more than that $300,000 I just told you to do. Mm-hmm. And w- what they can do is feed you to the wolves. They can say, I'm going to write a check to the other party. You bought $300,000 worth of insurance. That's how much we're going to give them. Well, that's bad. Why? Because now you are defenseless. Umbrella insurance not only is going to add, they come in million-dollar increments. So let's say you had a million-dollar umbrella policy. It'll add another million dollars of coverage. But more importantly, Bob, they're going to hire an attorney to defend you until it's resolved. So I like to call it lawyer insurance. And it's dirt cheap. For the most uh, couples, a husband and wife own two cars and a house. It's typically around $350 to $550 per year. Whoa. Dirt cheap insurance. Go get it. And you can usually get your best price wherever you have your auto and homeowner's insurance. Cool. John, thank you for coming. If someone wanted to get a hold of you and talk to you about asset protection, estate planning, whatever they need, how would they do that? Yeah, please give me a call at 480-733-6800 or check us out on the internet at www.davismiles.com. Happy to help anyone. Folks, thank you for listening. This is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? I'm Bob Sewell. John Scabland was our guest. And I look forward to doing another one and having you all listen. And thank you. Bye-bye.